Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. The Bucks defense digs another hole. Jameis Winston digs them out of it. But then a couple mistakes in one of the craziest plays you'll ever see the Bucks try to pull off on the final play of the game falls a little short. And the Bucks lose to the Atlanta Falcons 34-29. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. I'll be joined by Tom Jones, the columnist with the Times, to discuss the Bucks' loss at Atlanta in just a minute. But first, before we get started on this podcast, our friend Andy at Continental Wholesale Diamonds wants you to have the best time ever while shopping at Continental. So far, our listeners only. Andy is offering a limited time, 20% off all jewelry purchases. So whether you're looking for a statement piece or a gorgeous diamond necklace, or maybe you want to find that perfect engagement ring, Andy's going to give you his undivided attention. Come into Continental Wholesale Diamonds today, and you score big with 20% off all your jewelry purchases. That's right. Just tell them that you heard the offer on Sports Day Tampa Bay. Continental Wholesale Diamonds. they got the best prices and the best services where I shop. They're at 1715 Northwest Shore Boulevard, Suite 150, right next to the Penthouse Club. All right, Tom Jones joins us now. And, Tom, uh, a real frustrating day, I would think, uh, for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers is they lose a game that, frankly, they probably should have won against a beat-up Atlanta Falcons team. 34 to 29, and it ends on one of the more wacky plays I think I've ever seen in Bucks history that came oh so close to being an iconic sort of play in the NFL. Let me, I'll be honest with you. We're sitting next to one another. As soon as I saw Jameis Winston take it off, my first instinct, like, this is the dumbest call in the history of football. Like, what are you thinking? There's, you're going to run the clock out, and it's what a colossally stupid idea this is. And all of a sudden it's like, wait a minute, this is going to work. Like and it and in a way, if there isn't a couple of bobbles there, this play might work. Well, I mean, what happened was, you know, Jameis takes off on a quarterback draw, and I guess he had options. No, that was a great that was a great play call. Uh, we had plenty of options. Uh, it's it's tough to call a play from the twenty yard line, and I think we had seven seconds, actually. So uh, we tried to make a play. My my main goal was to get as far as I can and not get tackled with uh, the ball in my hand. Uh, and, and that's and that's how I, I saw it. Uh, I believe we had a chance. Uh, the ball bounced our way. We're in the end zone, and we're not questioning that play call. But uh, it was a great play. Uh, we've been working on it, and if we get in that situation again, you most likely will see it again. They essentially had a string of players to both sides. Right. Um, but he wound up, you know, pitching it backwards or fumbling it backwards, and the first guy to touch the ball was Adam Humphreys. Um, who kind of bobbles it up in the air, and it gets somehow to Mike Evans. And all the while, Deshaun Jackson, at this point, the players have collapsed on Winston. And so Deshaun Jackson is literally jumping up and down on the (laughs) sidelines saying, give me the ball. And when Evans collects it, he does a 180-degree spin to his right and throws a jump pass. And had it been a better throw, I think Deshaun Jackson scores the ball 
is sort of low and he can't be scooped and it goes out of bounds and Jackson, you know, rips his helmet off and is frustrated because he said, you know, for sure, he says, I'm, I'm walking in there backwards if I got it. At first, when I, saw, when I saw it live, I thought, and even when I saw it on the first replay, I thought, okay, there's no way he would have gotten in. But I do think he would have gotten in if it hit him in stride. Right. Now, once it was at his feet and he sort of had to stop and play like shortstop and his momentum was stopped, then I don't, I don't think he starts from, from scratch yeah. and gets in. But if he, if he can catch it while he's moving forward, I think he gets in. Rick, I go back and forth on this play because on one hand, I'm thinking like, why? It's not like it was like a 40-yard Hail Mary type play. 20 yards. It's 20 yards. Like, you should be able to have a pass play for 20 yards, right? But at the same time, you know, I mean, it's like 20 yards. Everybody's sort of packed in. Maybe it's hard to complete a 20-yard pass. Maybe this play actually did have a better chance. Well, I don't – and we can debate that forever, and people will. But, I I mean, I think they had five or six guys standing on the goal line, including – Julio Jones. Yeah. So um, they weren't playing a man-to-man, you know, sort of defense. But I'm with you. I mean, I, I was shocked when I saw the play because I thought he would make a stick throw. And with seven seconds left, chances you might get one second left if it's incomplete. Not a great chance. I mean, more than likely that's but the final cha- play of the game. Chance, yeah. But a chance if you throw it into the end zone. And yet they tried this thing. It damn near worked. But that's not why the game was lost. The game was lost – because like this last play, as I wrote in the Tampa Bay Times, this is the way Jameis Winston plays quarterback. Every game is like this crazy carnival ride of emotions. <laughs> and as Mike Evans said after the game, he says it made me feel a little sick. And that's kind of how you, you feel. If you look at Winston's pure numbers, okay, 30 of 41, which is pretty damn good completion sure percentage, is. for 395 yards, that's the second most passing yards he's ever had in a game. Four touchdowns, which is just one shy of his career high. and But, oh, by the way, two interceptions. And one of them probably was the biggest play in the game. They come out of the second half, have the ball. They stop Atlanta, goes three and out. Atlanta went three and out, the, or not three and out, but punted the first three times in the second half. And they drive it down there, and he hits Adam Humphreys for a 51-yard pass play. And I said at the time, when Humphreys didn't get in, I was just like, <laughs> you oh, are. you need to score there. I was, I was right next to you when you said that. That's right. You've got to get in the end zone there. So they got the ball at the two-yard line. Then yeah. they have a false start. Okay, well, not, not, you know, it's okay. First carry was for no yards. Then a false start. All right, second and goal from the seven. You still have a really good chance sure. at it. But then he throws late, according to him, over the middle to Chris Godwin. The defender, the linebacker, uh, hits him off the back of his helmet. Ball pops straight up in the air about 20 feet. And it ends up getting intercepted uh, by Poole, the cornerback for Atlanta, in the end zone. And you get no points. If you look at this score and you say, hmm, okay, if he goes incomplete on the next two balls or the next ball, they tap a field goal in, they win the game. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you just just can't do that. I was late to it. You can't turn the ball over at the six-yard line. Uh, And I think that's that's really going to be the story of the game. You can't turn the ball over uh, twice uh, today. Our defense played excellent. In the second half, excellent. Uh, we just gotta, I gotta protect the football. You know, no matter how good you play, you, you see their quarterback. Uh, he had a great game, but no turnovers. You, you know, they won and we lost. Let, let me run this one by you, Rick. And again, it's it was a careless throw by by Jameis. I was thinking of a. Didn't he have a throw in the preseason where he sort of threw a ball up and Chris Godwin just went up and got it? Yes. And I think there are times where Jameis like almost trusts his receivers Absolutely. too much. Like, I'm going to throw a 50-50 ball. Chris Godwin's going to somehow come down with this football. Yep. 
And and in this case, again, if it doesn't get knocked straight up in the air, maybe it's an incomplete pass, and, we, and they move on. And as you say, it's they, a good it, bounce for Atlanta. Yeah, the worst thing that happens is you kick a field goal. Right. But uh, but I, I just think he trusted. And then the other throw, Rick, was just again just threw a ball down the middle of the field. And, well, once and, again, you know, we came into this game. You, you know the kind of year Deshaun Jackson was having, and I said it on the podcast and on radio before that if there's one guy who cannot be privately happy about this quarterback's change. It's Deshaun Wells, uh, Deshaun Jackson. Right. Selfishly, maybe. Um, but here again, you come out of the game and you see where Deshaun Jackson was targeted nine times and he only caught four balls. Now, it was a pretty good chunk, 77 yards, which is good. Yeah. But the, sec- the first interception was a deep shot that, frankly, he led him too far to the inside. The safety was back. He makes an easy interception, and we've seen that. Time and time and time again for the last year or so. There was another ball, too, that he threw to Deshaun Jackson in the end zone that could have been picked off, should have been picked off. And on that particular play, Rick, I didn't think Deshaun Jackson ran a great drop. I agree with you. I still don't think they're on the same page. I don't think it's appear to be. It's not like a personal thing between the two of them. It's not like this, you know, this idea that they don't like each other is not not true. But, um, but yeah, they just, they're having a hard time getting on on the same page. The other thing, Rick, is, um, and this is what I wrote about it at times. The defense is killing them. These Burp. first halves, these first halves are just brutal. They come out uh, in the first half of of today's game, and it's and what was it? Uh, touchdown, touchdown, little, touchdown! Yeah. Punt, field goal. Yeah, that you know, and there you go. I mean, all of a sudden now you're down twenty four thirteen. This is after you go back to the to the uh, to the Pittsburgh game where you're down what thirty to three at halftime or whatever 30 it was. Thirty to seven. Thirty to seven yeah. at halftime, and then of course thirty eight to three. Thirty eight to three against Chicago. Because I looked at you know second half they've been playing okay in these games, Rick. They've been, I think they've given up twenty points in the second half of the last three games. That's pretty good. They've scored forty points. Yeah. In the second half of the last three games, and yet you come away with zero victories. What does that tell you? That these first halves are killing you. And even Dirk said it after the game. Well, third down. I mean, we got them in third and long. We just we couldn't get off the field. First half, I mean, they finished, I think, 8 for 12 on third down. But in the first half, uh, we did a good job. I think it was like third and 9, third and 17, whatever whatever it was. We, we couldn't get off the field on third down. And uh, we pressured a lot more today. We hit Matt a few times. He hung in there, made some nice throws. But... Uh, you know, we couldn't get off the field. It's plain and simple. The second half, defense did an excellent job getting off the field. We first two possessions, man, we go right down there. We come up three points, two red zones. So we we can't play tail of two halves. We can't do that against everybody in the NFL. Is good, you know, playing against good teams. They can't come out and dig themselves these holes because every little mistake that you make in the second half it becomes a backbreaker because you're constantly scrapping and fighting from behind. And eventually you either run out of time or you run out of real estate, and it's just you can't win a football game like that. And this game was set up for them to win. If ever there was an Atlanta Falcons team that was vulnerable, especially on defense, it was this one. Look, they've lost their best players, and I mean their best players. Deion Jones, their middle linebacker, Keanu Neal, Ricardo Allen. Um, They did not play today with Devontae Freeman was out, their running back. And they didn't have uh, Grady Jarrett was out. So all these defensive players, for the most part, and then on top of that, during the game, they lost two of their best receivers in Calvin Ridley and Muhammad Sanu. So you basically had, you know, Hooper the tight end, and of course the guy that just absolutely <laughs> destroys them, me and uh, uh, Julio down by the schoolyard. 
uh, he comes once again, 14 uh, targets, 10 catches, 143 yards. Um, and let me tell you, very few of those were contested. It, it just astounds me that on third down even, they'll lose track of Julio Jones. But that's what happened. And, and, and that's what I mean. I mean, it's like everything was, was there for the Bucks to take advantage, but their defense laid down in the first half. And the offense made just enough mistakes yeah. to keep themselves from winning because I never felt like the Falcons stopped them. I never felt like, you know, yeah, they're struggling with this defense. Right. Falcons were terrible. Yeah, I thought, yeah. This 500 is not, yards. Yeah, this Tom. is not a very good defense no. that they were playing. And as you mentioned, Rick, that, okay, the defense, they come out in the second half. The Bucks defense, three punts to start the, the second half allows the Bucks to get back in the game. But as you pointed out, just as we were getting ready to tape this podcast, but yeah, but when it came time to try, he finally nailed on the One game. stop. One more stop. Yeah, you couldn't get it. Gave up a touchdown on the next to last drive. And then a field goal. Let's talk about this field goal for a second, okay, Rick? So Atlanta has the ball. They're up. At that point, they're up two points. Up by two. Up by two. Matt Bryant's their kicker. They try. They have a fourth. And I want to get this. Let me, let me look it up. I just want to make sure that I get it right. They're facing a fourth and two from the Tampa Bay 39-yard line. And right. so if you – two yards, the game is over. The Bucks, by the way, have no timeouts at this point, and there's a little over a minute left in the game. There's a minute 16 left. So they, But they have no timeouts. No timeouts. So you have two choices here, Tom. Right. One, you can punt. You can go – you can punt – well, three choices. You three can choices. punt, which you no, punt it deep. you have two choices. Yeah, basically. Because <laughs> what he ended up doing was no choice. I can't yeah, believe it. But that it, shouldn't have been on the board. But you can punt right. and try to pin him deep and make him go the hard way to try to get in field goal range to beat you. Or you can go for it on fourth and two, and if you make a first down, they can't stop the clock, the game is over. I thought either of those would be fine decisions. The one he chose was not even in my mind. He brings out Matt Be- Matt Bryant to try a 57-yard field goal. 57 yards. Here's the thing, Rick. You missed that field goal right there. The Bucks get the ball. At the with, 45. At the, at, well, yeah, with 107, 104 left in the game. Yeah, at midfield because you're going to move it back. They get it at the spot of the field goal. They get the spot 47 of the field goal. 47-yard so Their own 47-yard yeah. line. You're looking at basically at that point picking up 20 a yards. couple of first downs. Yeah, yeah. 20 and then yards. You're, and then you're in field goal range to win it. To win the game. Point. Dan Quinn, after the game, Dirk, Dirk Cutter said, he, I went up to him. I told him, boy, that was one ballsy decision that you made. And I'm thinking, I still think to this moment, Rick. It's the wrong one. It was the wrong decision. That was a stupid thing to do. Because I can understand you're up six. You're trying to put it to nine. They make him score a touchdown. Now, look, at the end, it worked. And yeah. the Bucks needed to score a touchdown to win the game. And they almost did. And they didn't. And that's why the Atlanta Falcons won this game. But and they were in field goal range when the game yeah, ended. Yeah, right. At sure. The 20 yards. Yeah, it would have been a 30 So maybe in a way, it, it proved why he did it. But I still think, Rick, it's a huge, I think it was a huge miss. Like a gamble that somehow paid off. I still think it was a dumb decision. I still yeah. don't think you do that in that situation. That was a that was a unbelievable call by Coach Quinn or or whoever made it. Now, you know Matt Bryant. Matt Bryant's money. I've seen him make that kick. But where we're going to get that ball, needing a field goal, uh, I told him after the game. I told I told uh, Coach Quinn that was a that was a hell of a call by him. And uh, you know his kicker put it through. That goes from needing a field goal with us in really good field position to needing a touchdown from whatever we were the 20, 20 yard line or whatever we were. So uh, that was a that was a ballsy call by him. You know after the game again, Dirk talked about it. It was the two turnovers. You talked to Jameis after the game. It's those two turnovers, Rick, and really the two turnovers and a defense that can't stop anybody. And here's the other thing. The Bucks don't create turnovers. No. That's the other problem. They're not getting any. None. 
And I understand you look, you could be a bend, don't break defense. Yeah. Uh, Hiring for your small business. If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals. You can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. All day. In fact, a couple of years, we were talking about it during the game. A couple of years ago, when they actually went 9-7 and seven, yeah. had a pretty good defense, they were giving up chunks of yards, but they would make plays defensively and yeah. get turnovers. This year, five turnovers they've created all year. One interception in five games yeah. while guys are throwing for 300, 400 yards against them. Well, and even though I think at times they got Matt Ryan and he made a couple throws when he was getting hit and did a good job completing those balls, again, they only had one sack. And who was that by? Oh, yeah, Jason Pierre-Paul, who now has five of their nine sacks this season. Only nine sacks through four games. You're on a pace that's worse than last season. And this is the thing, Tom. They spent a ton of resources on defense. They rebuilt the entire defensive line. They went out and drafted cornerbacks. Right. They re-signed Brent Grimes. Now, I know they've had injuries, you know, with Chris Conte and, um, you know, obviously Vernon Hargraves. Okay, look at the Falcons, ladies and oh, gentlemen. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, you know, the equivalent of that would have been losing Gerald McCoy and Levante David right. and Brent Grimes or another corner. I mean, that's, those are the, sort of the high mark guys that they lost. And so there's really no excuse. Mike Smith, even though they played better – but just in the second half, it's his defense that's digging the holes for this football team. You can't fall behind like this. Like I said, 24. The, the thing that was disturbing, you look it up, they're behind 24. They gave up 24 points in the first half. That's actually the best first half they've had, like in a month. Because the like as we mentioned, the two previous games, they were giving up more than 30 right. in the first half. So, um, However, Rick, having said all that, and I don't know if it's just because this game wasn't nearly as bad as the Chicago disaster was. There does feel like there's, I don't know, I came away feeling a, little more, hope. a little more optimistic. I asked Dirk Cutter after the game, he said, look. You're, you're always encouraged by parts of every game. I'm, I'm encouraged by how we fought and how we competed and how we kept playing through a, you know, through a first half that you know, had the feeling of here we go uh, at times. But... The bottom line is you gotta you gotta end up with one more point than your opponent, and we didn't. And I think there are some encouraging signs, Rick, with Jameis Winston. I know it was funny because I was getting some you know reaction on Twitter. People were like, "Put Fitzpatrick back in there." That's not going to happen. I actually thought Jameis played okay. Yeah, those turnovers he's got to stop, Rick. And and I I also got this reaction on Twitter. Maybe I, I don't know how you feel about it. People are saying this never stops. He keeps doing this. And, look, guys throw interceptions, I get it, but these interceptions that he's thrown are just backbreakers. They're killing you. Well, the red zone interceptions are the ones, and if you remember, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick had one of those against Pittsburgh Steelers, and they lost that game. In fact, Ryan Fitzpatrick had three interceptions on three plays against the Steelers, and they could have won that game. So it's not just, you know, Jameis Winston that throws stupid interceptions or balls that, you know, in the red zone that keep you out of the end zone. It's it's. It's Fitzpatrick, too. But I know what you're saying about Winston, and this is the thing. You know, 
one day we'll be able to better analyze the kind of football teams he played on, okay? Mm-hmm. Right now it's a little tough because we're really close to them and we don't know, for example, what how some of these players will – what kind of players they're going to become. But there seems to be enough on this team, certainly tonight, to beat this Atlanta Falcons team. And yet it, it always seems from a win-loss standpoint that he just – doesn't do quite enough to win the game. Right. Um, and when you handle the ball every time, I think I saw a stat during the telecast that Jameis Winston has as many turnovers as Eli Manning, which is the most in the league since he came into the league in 2015. We know what people think of Eli Manning oh, yeah. right about now. Right. Um, he is a turnover machine. And it was like 60-something, 62, 63 turnovers, which is a large number. So... As much as anything else he does, and he does a lot of good things. I mean, you, you'd ask Dirk Cutter. Jameis, you know, he does so many good things out there. You know, he does so many good things. And uh, he has composure. He can make all the throws. He runs the team. Uh, he scrambles. He's tough. But then there's always that but. That but. But there's a couple balls you'd like to have back. And, uh, you know, that that's that's every quarterback in the league. That's, you know, that's, that's playing quarterback in the NFL. So... I think Jameis played well for a, a, a huge percentage of the game. That butt is <laughs> kicking their butt quite a bit of, of late. And Jameis, need, I came out and I said before the game, I think Jameis is going to destroy this. I think yeah, he'll kill did. it. Yeah, you did. And he really didn't get off to a good start at all. But if you look at his numbers, it's the second best game he's ever played, you know, even with the interceptions. I mean, his rating was still 115.4 if you're into that sort of thing, even with the two picks. He averaged almost, what, nine yards an attempt? Yeah, that's great. Um, that's insane. So, you know, again, this team had over 500 and something yards of total offense. You don't look at this and say that the quarterback didn't play well, but, again, he does just enough. And 512 yards, I mean, that's that's buku. And that's what today's NFL is becoming. I wrote a story before the game, will Jameis be able to keep up? I think the answer is yes. Yeah, but here's my thing, Rick. Two two things I'll say about this. Now, and I'm not trying to make excuses for Jameis because he has to be better. You know he has to be. He knows he has to be better. But I'll say this about Jameis Winston. I think if the defense plays better, then we don't notice these mistakes. If they play normal. If they play normal, don't give up 30-some points right. every game, then you can live with an interception right. or two. Right. I also wondered again. Again, people are going to accuse me of making excuses for Jameis, and, and I am and a little. You're the bit last right. guy to do that, right? But I'll say this too. I wonder how much he feels the pressure. Like we have to score touchdowns every time we get the football. Sure. So that means I'm throwing balls into coverage. I have to make a play. Obviously, the 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 pass to God when you throw that one away, and you live to fight the next play. Yeah. But at the same time, I do understand that sense of urgency. Like we can't punt at all. We can't kick field goals. We have to score touchdowns if we're going to win this football game. And I wonder if that's what partly gets him into trouble. Well, I think it does. I think that he came into this league thinking that i got to be the savior of a franchise, and that's a terrible place to be, especially when you're on the worst team in the NFL. That's how you get to be the number one overall pick. But, look, Mike Smith, it's indefensible at this point, really. Um, I know what Dirk Cutter is saying when he says, hey, what do you want me to do? So I fire Mike Smith. What really changes? Maybe not much. But you know what? It's not working now. And I don't know. I mean, he you know, he changed play callers and of course they prepared for it throughout the off season to get Todd Munkin um a chance to, to play call. I've seen it 
happen and rarely does anything really significantly change. Um, I Is there do... anything to be made, Rick, of, okay, for the first half they're awful and then they start the second half of these games. Yes. And they're actually pretty good. I mean, yes. what, what, what accounts for that? What would account for it is is that the other teams do homework too. Yeah. What would account for it is is that you don't know what you're going to get when the game starts. Yeah. You may prepare all week for one thing, and then the game starts, and what you prepared for, it's not working. Then you go in at halftime. Now you kind of know what, get a feel for how the game's going, what they're doing to you, and how you can counter it. And you make adjustments. You only have 17 minutes, so you can't, like, change your whole defense. But they did play better and seemed to have answers after the first half. And I just think that whether it's being out-schemed or not prepared or not ready to play or not having enough sense of urgency. I mean, it's hard to imagine these guys don't have urgency after getting their hat handed to them, especially in Chicago. I mean, if ever they were going to come out fast on defense today – or you know Sunday night should have been, Sunday afternoon should have been the time, but you know Matt Ryan against Mike Smith. Go look it up, and you think if anybody knows Matt Ryan, it should be the guy that drafted him. Sure, he's four and one with twelve touchdowns, and I think zero or one interceptions, and he's just he's just owned him. I mean, you know Matt Ryan made no mistakes, zero yeah. mistakes today, and that's that's basically the difference in the game. One quarterback made a couple mistakes. Got way behind because of his defense. The other defense kind of hung in there, made them punt a few times early on. Got the interceptions. They weren't great. They were terrible. They gave no, up five hundred yards. And you know, look, the other point too you can make just to, to sort of counter what I was saying a moment ago about good second halves is I thought the Steelers got super conservative when they had a third. They did seven lead or whatever. They absolutely. The Chicago did. had no reason. To... And you know what? Atlanta might have might have pulled it in a little too soon. Right, but when they needed to score, they did. They scored two drives. The they needed to score. And by God, they got the first downs, yep. the field position, and even were at least on a part of the field where they could try a 57-yard field goal, which, by the way, according to the reports that you read, oh, yeah. Matt Bryant, Buck Killer, the curse of Matt Bryant, that might have been his last kick. It and I mean, been. Ever. He, he was, they were talking to the locker room. He didn't talk in the locker room. They said in, uh, our buddy uh, from, uh, from the Orlando General Constitution was saying that it didn't look good. He wasn't, the, the media didn't make him, or the PR staff didn't make him available. He looked pretty dejected. What if that's his last kick? Died 43 a, years old, right? That's the ultimate died for a good cause <laughs> because there's nobody since since Matt Bryant was released um, for Mike Nugent, I believe, at the time. Yeah. You know, he nobody has come back to haunt the Bucks. I mean, he's consistent, 43. And that's the other thing, too. This game from the start, Tom, the Bucks get the opening kickoff, and then they like they're on skates, drive down, get a touchdown, and who come who come, here comes the buzz kill, and you know, and really it was a factor throughout the whole game, that Chandler Catanzaro misses the extra point, and now it's on to chase that one point. And they did. They chased it the rest of the game, Rick, to the point that they went for two another time, didn't make it. Right. And they now they're down by two. That's right. If they, if they had just kicked extra points all day long and made them, they would have been tied, what, 31-31 late in this game. Yeah. There was some discussion about whether Dirk should have gone for two when he did. I actually think it was the right call. I to do, go too. For, you're going to have to get a two-point conversion somewhere. Right. But that's what happened once you missed that. Look, we asked Dirk about it after the game, and Dirk said, yeah. It hurts to miss an extra point right off the bat. You know, you get a fast start, and it's it's a little bit deflating to miss an extra point. I mean, Chandler feels worse than anybody else. I mean, it's not like no one's fired up about it, but, what, you know, we, we got guys making mistakes, and uh, 
I mean, different guys make different mistakes on different plays, and that's that was his. So, uh, you know, and I, you're chasing points the rest of the game, but would it have mattered at the end? That's hard to say. But he admitted it impact. You're chasing it the rest of the game, and that, that's another thing where you're just it's buzzkill. That's a good way to put it, Rick. I mean, it's just a buzzkill. Oh, it was, and then you know, Atlanta gets down there in six plays instead of seven in three minutes instead of three fifteen. And they're in the end zone, and they're leading 7-6. So. Right. Speaking of bunch kills, Rick, you saw Gerald McCoy after the game. Ooh. He hurt his calf in the fourth quarter, limped off the field. It, we didn't talk to him. They obviously uh, – the Bucks don't make uh, injured players available after games. It didn't look good, though. It didn't look good, although I've seen Gerald in those boots before. That's and true. I've seen him come back. He's a fairly resilient guy. But with that injury, you don't know. For example, a guy like Vita Vea – Took seven weeks in, a, in an injury, the same, a similar, you know, calf muscle injury, to come back. So obviously, this team can't be without Gerald McCoy for seven weeks. No matter what you think about him, he's one of their best, if not their best player, and on defense. And of course, Jason Pierre-Paul is probably uh, also benefiting from that a little bit. But yeah, they they can't take any more losses. Now, the thing is, what's ahead? Okay, is you know, three losses in a row in the NFL. That's an awful lot. Had they not gotten off to a 2-0 start, this team would be buried right now. But the fact is that they're 2-3. and three. They had a bye week. They haven't played as many games as some other teams that will be having a bye week soon. And they play the Cleveland Browns on Sunday. And, you know, no matter what you think of Browns, their defense is really, really good. And I would think that offensively with Baker Mayfield, they can score some points against this defense. Oh, they, look, they weren't, you know, Cleveland wasn't great on Sunday. No, but they weren't great on Sunday. And, and this is another opportunity to get back to 500. This is, I'm going to give you the old line. Rick, if I'd have told you before the season <laughs> that you're going to play, you're going to start off playing, you know, the Saints, the Eagles, and the Steelers, and then Chicago, who's much improved, and then you go into Atlanta, and then you play Cleveland, and you somehow come out of that 3-3, three and three, would you take it? You might. You yeah. might, and, and what I've always said, I don't know if it's going to hold true in this division because we'll have to see what New Orleans and Carolina do. Um, but, you know, if you can hang around 500 until November, you've got a shot. Yeah. You know, you want to get 10, 11 wins. Um, it was a road win, a road uh, loss in the division, which aren't as bad as a home loss. They have a road win over New Orleans already. They're not out of it, but yeah, they're one and one in a division. They just don't have the feel of a, of, of a confident football team. It, it's a team. It's the team of the damned again. It's yeah. like these little things, and when you lose three in a row, it starts to really be bad in the building. And I'm afraid that they're a couple losses away from some of the wheels starting to fall off because everybody in that locker room knows Dirk Cutter is vulnerable. They know mm-hmm. Jason Light is vulnerable. It's not like they're not going to play hard, right? But guys will start pointing fingers before long, and you can say they won't, um, but it's human nature. You know, at some point, if this season starts hitting the tracks too early, then you're going you're gonna to have a bad situation on your hands. We say this all the time. Every game's a big game in the NFL. There's only 16 of them. But, boy, next Sunday feels huge all of a sudden. It, it does, because 2-4 you know, and four versus 3-3. Three and three, Cleveland. It's Cleveland. It's, all, the Browns. it's a game you circled on your schedule. I don't care if they're improved or not. Yeah. That's a game you got to win at home. Yeah. So. Well, we'll see what the Bucks can do uh, next Sunday as they host the Cleveland Browns. We're on our way back from Atlanta. Tom Jones.
Appreciate you joining me, man. Thanks. All right. Thank you. Well, it's going to be an interesting Monday at One Buck Place. We'll get updates, hopefully, on Gerald McCoy's injury. Ryan Smith, the cornerback, also had a concussion, so he'll probably be in the protocol. They have a lot of things they're going to have to get fixed here uh, by next Sunday when they host the Cleveland Browns. So, for Tom Jones and Steve Versnick, our producer, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Hope you guys join us tomorrow. In the meantime, have a great Monday, everybody. 